Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. I'm so excited to have a special guest with us today via phone, Lisa Kerr. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. So I want to fill in the audience how I came across you, and uh, that is a neat little story. So I'm on the internet. I'm searching around, and because I am now what we would call a spiritual agnostic um, and probably the algorithms pop up different scandals in the church and different <laughs> different things that pop up. And I'm seeing all these different blog posts from this Lisa Kerr about uh, a group that I was a part of as a former evangelical. And a lot of the names that were I was seeing, I'm like, those were my friends. Like, I know these motherfuckers. <laughs> And there was one particular story about a pastor, former friend of mine from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And this gentleman pastored a very large church there. He was the founder of it. And very, uh, very, uh, in fact, this pastor uh, worked for, he was like a youth pastor for Jimmy Swaggart, go figure. Uh, if you don't know who Jimmy Swaggart is, just Google him and you'll, you'll quickly find out, uh, that was a scandal way back in 1987, which is dating me a little bit. I actually met Jimmy <laughs> Swaggart, but anyway, so long story short, I'm reading this article because I knew that there was a big scandal with this guy that I knew. And the story, the, the story that I heard is that he had had an, um, uh, inappropriate emotional affair with a woman half his age and left that church, got employed by another church, um, another mega church. That's one of the big, largest churches in America. And it was like, it was like nothing ever really went wrong. Well, Lisa's article revealed a lot of what really happened. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the more in-depth story from the quote unquote victim or the other woman and it was not just an emotional, inappropriate emotional affair. It was a full-on, full-blown affair that lasted for over a year. And that was never told to the church. It was never told publicly. And it was just a shit show sh full of shenanigans. And Lisa Kerr was in the middle of exposing all of it. <laughs> and so I go on the search Googling Lisa Kerr, trying to find you, clicking on every link that said where your blog was. And I'm like, man, why had this girl disappeared? She has literally <laughs> vanished from social media. Like I can't find her anywhere. And so I don't want to give away how I found you, but I ended up finding you and contacted mm -hmm. you and said, hey, are you the same Lisa Kerr that talked about this story and this scandal in the church and yada, yada, yada? And you were like, indeed. <laughs> So I'm so glad to be talking to you, Lisa. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, thank you. And I have to say, you probably hit me up on a good day because usually I'd be like, delete. <laughs> you're, you're probably like, oh, this guy seems sweet. I should talk to him. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what it was. And I get like um, spammed a lot, like everyone does. And then I get all kinds of like, like I was just telling you a bit ago, a bit ago um, offline, like I get a lot of inquiries still from families and people wanting me to help them. And um, 
just everything kind of gets shelved away and I'm just focusing on like my present life now. And, um, you know, that was, that was a time in my life where I was just fucking balls to the wall. Like, <laughs> you were writing that shit. need to know. <laughs> well, that's, what's interesting is as a former Christian myself, I've always valued truth. And so yeah. it always befuddled me when in the church, there was such a lack of truth. You know, they talk about Jesus and, right. and this and that and the other, but then they just fucking lie. And then let me, I want to say something because this podcast is going to be pretty revealing about church stuff. This does not mean that every pastor is a fucking, you know, scoundrel. It doesn't mean every pastor is having right. affairs. It doesn't mean they're embezzling money. It does, there's a lot of good pastors out there. You know, I, mm -hmm. I was never involved in any kind of embezzlement or any kind of big scandal, right. you know? So I know that there are sincere you know, really good moral pastors out there, but there's also a lot of scandalous They're you know, what they're saying, they're lying, they're deceptive, they're deceiving, they're corrupt in, in so many yeah. ways. And it's, it's just sad. It's sad because it didn't, yeah. it didn't bother me. You know, when I was reading your stuff, it didn't bother me so much that he had the affair. I mean, that, I think it's wrong, but I mean, that didn't bother me as much yeah. as that's not what was told. Like, that's not the right. story that was told. And, and the people that surrounded him, all those people were also pastors. They all were telling this lie. So essentially every fucking pastor that, and they all pastor mega churches, every fucking one of them that were on his overseer board, all lied so they're liars and i think that that's like key to point out too and i love that you said not all pastors are embezzlers not all pastors are liars right not all pastors are cheating on their significant other because i think that's key sure. and you know i have a similar background to you like i actually became a credentialed minister i held the title as reverend I was very thoughtful about what I did and how I helped people. And I was sincere. And, you know, of course, we'll make a joke about that later. But um, the difference in people like you and I is that um, we assume that those people who are sort of leading us and taking our money are also sincere or sincerely good. Mm -hmm. And to know the, the details of something like this, and I mean, who's paying for the apartment that she was staying in? Right. Was that, you know, whose family gave that donation? Don't you think they would want to know where their money went? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That the be, yeah. Finding that out that, that he, that he or the church was paying for an apartment for his mistress. Like that is so fucked up. <laughs> It is, but I mean, this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time. And I think, you know, the the sort of like everyday Christian who just kind of goes to church once in a while, doesn't know, doesn't care. Um, and we just make these blanket assumptions about these groups and organizations, which is, it's fine because, you know, we're busy with our lives. But then for people like you and I who get sort of entrenched into them every day, we serve the church, we're 
Like that's our life. Um, I think what's interesting is people like this don't expect us maybe to have any form of intelligence or brains or, or no, like, okay. Like we're a lot smarter than we let on. And then, and, and like, obviously you don't think very highly of us because we're going to scrutinize everything you do, every penny you spend, especially when we hear stuff like this. And I think it's only right to kind of call that out and to bring it to the public's attention, just like you would if a nonprofit, you know, helping the community was corrupt or if a, a school um, board member was embezzling money or yeah, a politician or, or anybody, anyone like, and, and it's been called out enough in like politicians and stuff to know that that's, Oh, that's just who they are. But like, it's still hard for us to believe that pastors can do this, especially when they're, um, they're able to spell that image that they're this perfect, pristine, moral person. Like, so far morally superior than the rest of us, by the way, which is why God has blessed them <laughs> with being able to shepherd tens of thousands of people, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I found it just so intriguing as I read, and, and you mentioned this again in our pre-conversation before we went live, you know, I'm reading your post and you're on the blog, and then I'm also reading all the comments, and I was like, whoa, that you were getting attacked for exposing the fucking truth. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. world am I living? Like what universe am I in right now where the person that's pointing out the lies, the deception, the cover up is getting attacked. I was just, I couldn't fucking believe it. And they were quoting scriptures at you. I'm like, Oh my God, they've lost their fucking minds. It's well, so you, you kind of hinted to that. Um, a little like at some point like it was hard to find me yeah because these people are fucking insane and they're so loyal there were like some threats that seriously made me question whether i was going to get my brains blown out at some point from some like weird wacko who had some loyalty to someone that i called out and so you know as i was getting older and getting like my professional life more established and then starting a family it's like I just I do kind of want to hide away like low-key just kind of I mean there was a point in my blogging where I was looking up how to hide my identity how to hide my address like witness protection type of underground um and like probably some stuff that um, we didn't talk about it and, and maybe people don't know is I was getting hit up by reality TV shows. They wanted me to fucking go undercover in these places. Like that's how crazy. Wow. I was <laughs> I'm, so this now, man, you're bringing up some good shit. So what a couple things, one, did this affect you at all? Are you just bullheaded and you're like, I don't give a fuck what these people are saying. I'm going to keep going for it. Or did it bother you? And then secondly, you know, why didn't you do one of the reality things and go undercover and expose? Well, yeah, I, I was raised by someone who's like the king of bullheaded. And, um, this is something I don't talk about a lot, but he's on the discovery channel and he's a, a well hated individual 
Okay. <laughs> uh, with an epic beard, and no, he's he's not on um, a show anymore. But this was I actually like he and I both have similar personalities. I think, um, yeah. and so. So I, and my parents have always taught me, like, you stand up for what's right and, and for, and you always help the underdog too. Right. Right. So, so I think that coupled with like my, I, I don't know, I'm like very idealistic. I like helping people. I literally just started my first LLC, which is going to be to write grants for people who are doing good things in my community. So I still like helping people. That's like I, the other day I interviewed a homeless veteran. Um, I introduced my kids to him and we, we brought him food and I asked him a story and he wanted to connect with his grandkids in Georgia. And I shared it on Instagram. So like that, and you know, I'm sure you and I have a lot in common in that, like we wanted to do good. Um, but did it affect me? Yes. I had so much anxiety. Mm. Um, I went, you know, on strong doses of antidepressants because you can't read comments like that every day, constantly when you go online and not be fucking bothered. Like you just can't. Yeah. That's why I don't read them. I don't read comments now. You never should read them. (laughs) Well, I don't. It just bothers me too much. I'm too sensitive, Lisa. (laughs) I am too. I, I mean, well, I am too. And there's nothing wrong with being sensitive and like, people are just so fucking rude. And, um, and I know things have gotten better, but at the time when I first started blogging, it was like no man's land. And, and, you know, if I wanted to hire someone to like vet the comments or just screenshot the valuable things that would have cost me way more money than I ever had. Uh, I didn't make any money during that time. So it was like, man, you could have, Probably. I mean, but again, it goes back to like our values, right? Like I don't want to exploit people for their money. Right. I want to be fucking hardworking, make my own money. And, and I don't think if someone got fucked over by a church or a mega church pastor that I should profit off of them. And like, that's just not my style. That's not what I wanted to live my life off of. So fast forward, like, um, as I mentioned, like my dad, some he started going to Alaska gold mining and and the Discovery Channel really wanted him to be on his on this show. And um my dad had gotten in touch with an entertainment attorney who also was a literary agent. And so the agent was kind enough to look at my book, which was based on all this. And um he had one that sold that was similar, but it was a hard sell. And I kept trying to write this memoir and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And, um, and he and I, the agent, a very prominent agent, it was actually incredible that he gave me the time of day. I'll be honest. Like agents don't just talk to you unless sure. you're a client, um, especially not someone of this caliber, but um, he, he was an incredible like asset. And we talked a lot about what type of career ultimately I wanted as a writer, the type of author I wanted to be. And he suggested not doing reality TV if that was, if being an author was what I was serious about. Yeah. So um, I had always wanted to be an author since I was a kid. And 
And so I shelved my memoir, which had all the juicy details of all this stuff in it. Um, and then went off the radar. <laughs> Interesting. So I, I am. So how did you get, how did this story even first present itself to, to you? The story I'm referring to the, of the, that organization that yeah. I was a part of and the, the pastor that I knew. Yeah. So, um, I had been, I can't remember exactly how long I had been blogging at the time. And this goes back to something I said before our conversation, I have had triplets since then and, um, have five, not five. <laughs> Can't even talk. It feels like <laughs> I have. I have seventeen children. <laughs> I tell you what, four kids feels like seventeen. It literally does. Might as like, well. I was on a, I was on a dating app, and I told some guy I had kids. He's like, "How many?" I go, "I just have a zoo. Let's just put it that." Way. Oh my he goes, How god! How many is a zoo? <laughs> I love it. So, um, so anyway, my brain is, I, my mom always says like, you lose part of your brain to each kid that you have. <laughs> so I can't, I can't like, recall exactly the timeline, but I was blogging for a while about my experience at a mega church and I was the nanny slash pastor's wife in training. Uh, and, and the pastor there was always trying to marry me off. I was this like, you know how you don't know how cute or hot you are when you're young? Like, right. that was me. I didn't, I didn't realize that until I got, like, older and was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Things have changed. Yeah. So um, so he was always trying to marry me off and um, and really offended my dad, by the way, one time when my parents finally met um, them, he and his wife, and he's like, oh, we have the perfect husband and future pastor picked out for your daughter. And my dad is like, what the hell? Like she has her own brain. She doesn't need to, to have someone pick out a husband for her. And like, he just thought it was all fucking weird and controlling. Right. And so what happened is when I left that church and I left that group, I had invested seven years of my life into it. I had all these relationships. I had people who I considered family and similar to you, a lot of people stopped talking to me. They thought I was the devil. And it actually shattered my beliefs because I was literally told that I was listening to Satan by leaving. Wow. So, um, just a lot of twisted things that I started, you know, as a writer, it was kind of my outlet. Like, okay, I'm going to get in the practice of writing every day. I'm going to journal it. And it's going to be an online journal. And um, the story you just told was really closely connected to the pastor that I worked for as a nanny. Right. And so we were, um, we became close, the pastor and I and his family and his kids. And over the course of working for him for a little while, um, I became connected to all these other families and all these other churches and um, and people. And so at one point someone approached me with, um, the details and, and like I told you, I was really hesitant to share anything about anyone, especially stuff that I didn't personally experience. Right. Um, 
because I try to be extremely careful about who and what um, I write about. And um, it's really important to me to not, you know, ruin someone's life, basically. Like, you have the power to do that, right? Sure. And um, so I did a lot of digging, a lot of investigating, a lot of research. I spoke to journalists who were local. Um, I reached out to, um, I think even like sort of did some digging into like local government or policies and just sort of like vetted everything. And, and then also was trying to push the story off on anyone else, literally (laughs) anyone else willing to do it. (laughs) Anyone please take this. And, um, and I think it just affected the community base that, that had been longtime readers um, so closely that I felt like it aligned and, you know, and so I just, I decided, okay, we're going to do this because the person I worked for was um, planning on becoming this very powerful, influential force in all of, you know, the Southern part of the nation. And I knew that these other individuals were either well on their way to doing that or had plans to. And I felt like, you know, what I experienced was not by accident and, and they intentionally misused and um, manipulated me and paid me pennies for being their in-house help full time. Like you should have been paid. Yeah. You should have been paid like a full-time working salary. Right. And I, at the time I earned, I think $500 a week and they uh, manipulated the discussion to tell me like room and board is covered. And I was naive at first. It wasn't until I left that I researched like employment laws federally and statewide and, um, and realized that I wasn't being paid fairly. So um, I was technically like on the church, you know, salary, but it definitely couldn't cover anything. Like my parents were financially supporting me all those years. Wow. Um, and this is in your twenties, I assume it's in my twenties. Yeah. And, but there were people there who had families, like young people who wanted to start families or, um, you know, all kinds of just varying people that were being used and abused like this from the church. And so that was my main mission is like anyone connected to this type of abuse needs to be called out and, and they need to take, um, they need to take time to recognize that I'm not going to shut up. I'm, I'm just not because, yeah you fucked with my entire twenties and you knew what you were doing. You didn't just like accidentally like, Oh, I was stupid. And, and I just didn't know, or I wasn't educated on this. Like it was fucking malicious. Yeah. You were being taken advantage of clearly. 100%. And so these were my megachurch pastors mentors. So who's mentoring them? Who's teaching him the ropes, these fucking guys. Right. So this fucking guy is, um, hooking up with some chick, paying out of the church for the apartment. Um, she was his assistant. 
his assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And see, luckily, I thought my megachurch pastor was real gross looking because I'm sure he would have tried something, too. Right. Like these are these are the things that people don't talk about is how and it's simple, like, uh, you know, abuse of authority. And I think sometimes I'm not saying that anyone was like guilty or innocent, but but there are times where people who are older in positions of power abuse women um, in particular and you know like I don't know there can be a lot of coercion and a lot of other stuff and and so I don't know how bad it was I don't know if it was just you know all fun and games and great but I know the way I was being treated and the way I was being manipulated were on a deep psychological level and so that's why I'm like, fuck it. Here it is, guys. And and then the shit hit the fan. And <laughs> I was like, I'm over all of you people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes like, sense. I don't have to sit here and listen to this. <laughs> yeah. So that, okay. So that brings me, so that brings me then up, like fast forward a little bit. So you ended up shutting down that blog. It just became too overwhelming. I, I'm sure, yeah, you were getting all these threats and, and I, you know, was reading a lot of these comments from these nutball Christians you know, defending mm-hmm. their uh, adulterous, lying, deceiving, cheating pastor. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. d- you know, like, well, he, God forgave him. He's free. And I'm like, yeah. And because as I'm reading, it, I'm like, yeah, his God. Yes, if there is a God, whatever. You know, I'm a agnostic right. at this point. So uh, let's just just for a second, let's assume there is a God. So okay, great. He does forgive us. That's great. But I feel like, you know, the whole confession thing you have to confess the truth. You know, if you're confessing the half truth, so what God forgave him for was the fact that he had an inappropriate emotional affair with this woman. That's what he's forgiven for because that's what was made publicly known. Now people may want to take me to task there and say, well, that's between him and God, but you know, the truth. It's not between him and God because right. it's between him and the people. Absolutely. Give him thousands and tens of thousands of dollars they deserve the truth which is hard that's hard i can understand it would be difficult for this you know man to get up in front of the church and say you know i've been fucking this one (laughs) i mean probably not that language then don't do it go hide go run off and be private and live with your guilt or acknowledge it you know in humility somewhere else it is between you and god do that that's fine but don't continue to earn money like you and I are both in agreement. Maybe they, this person makes about 200 grand a year. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot more than I've ever made. Well, to be on and, a staff with literally, I'm telling you, he's on staff as a key pastor of one of the largest churches in America. Yeah. And so what's interesting people don't understand like okay there's the salary the price tag right there but all the other perks oh the houses the, the cars, cars the insurance the travel you got an insurance all of it guy the travel you got an um airline you got this card paid for all expenses paid by the church and then your salary like you were doing so much better than a politician yeah i've seen this so guy's house much. it's ginormous uh-huh. And same thing, like I was a nanny for this person. They had a builder from the church build them a custom home. 
Yeah. Then they had a car guy who would always give them cars at who knows if they paid for him or if it was a donation. I don't know the, the yeah. inner workings of that, but they always rolled up in a nice new car. Yeah. The whole family from top to bottom, yep. kids and all. Yep. So there are perks that go beyond the salary and there is nothing wrong with having a lot of money and there's nothing wrong with any of that. Sure. The problem is like the integrity. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I can't, I can't do it. I can't profit off people and know that I'm lying to them. (laughs) You know, it, I, here's what's so ironic about all of this is there's a scripture, I'm sure you know it, being a, a former Christian yourself, it's the truth that sets you free. I yeah. love that verse. I've always loved that verse. That verse means more to me now than it's ever meant to me ever in the past. And to and, and it mm-hmm. definitely was, uh, what's the word? I was a little delusioned. What's that word? You know, just, it fucked with me to go, man, here I am a part of the quote unquote Christian, which is supposed to be the example of goodness and honesty and fairness and charity, like all the good mm-hmm. shit. And here yeah. I am in the middle of that. And, and it's, it's like, no, it's not that way. Now, again, doesn't mean everybody's corrupt. I'm just saying it's like, there's so much and we hear it all the time. Every, I think, I don't I would say every month, but at least every year there's some big fucking scandal, you know, in the church. Yeah. And it's like, well, guys, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I mean and, and it kind of goes back to what we had talked about before, where like there's these communities of people, whether they're Christian or or Muslim or or whatever religion or background, there's families and communities who have this rich culture and this rich history of believing in something. I think that's something I kind of have come full circle. Like it's important to honor those communities of faith and the good that they do. But what we're talking about here is not necessarily those people and, and usually not those people. It's usually the person who's taking advantage of those those groups or those families, or, um, you know, it's the person who is power hungry, who's hungry for, for authority. And they, they want that fame, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone at one point has probably wanted to be famous and I'm sure it comes and goes yeah. like I'm over it, but, um, <laughs> but at one point I would think, I, I go oh, in and I'm out of it, famous. Lisa, I go in and out of it. There's times I would like it. And there's times I'm like, I wouldn't fucking want to be bothered by it. <laughs> Exactly. Like, can you imagine the headache and all the noise? It's like, it's got to be noisy. But, and how do you get, like, you can't have privacy. You can't just go like, I mean, I go everywhere right now, like without makeup, with like whatever I'm wearing, who cares? Right. No one. Right. (laughs) That is a luxury. I love that. But we're talking about like these, these like almost handful of people like the cream of the crop kind of but they're not and and it's just it's it's not just hypocrisy at its finest like the problem is it goes deeper what i truly walked away from my experience is that there are some of these men in power who are so money hungry and they're such attention whores that they use and abuse they mind fuck everyone and and they literally mirror these like cult leaders and and they're like coercive 
and controlling and to the point where the megachurch pastor I worked for would make comments about my weight, about what I ate, about like one time and wow. and I was a very thin but curvy 20 something year old and like the good curves sure. but what was interesting is like I fasted a couple days and oh my and I fasted and went running and he was like oh wow you look amazing like you need to stay doing whatever you're doing and I was like what like starvation <laughs> I mean <laughs> like I don't know I was like five five and like 140 maybe 150 at my heaviest yeah. at the time and like seriously like this is not a healthy conversation I'm sorry yeah and it's it's overreaching. Like, why are you even fucking talking about my body? Why? Absolutely. Why is that even, why is that even a thing? But it, the thing is he had in his mind that, um, he had married way outside his league. She was way too beautiful for him. And, and he would often say that, like, I'm ugly and I married up like, yes, hundred percent. You are. <laughs> and, and it's true. And like, he'll admit it and everything, but, I think because I was a little blondie or something, I, maybe I reminded him of his wife and I didn't have dark hair like the Cajun women there or something who they're all phenomenally beautiful, by the way. Right. But there was something weird and off-putting about the comments he would make and the attention he took to my personal life and who I was dating and carefully like cultivating and molding these men as options for me over and over and over. And I was like, you can fuck all the way off because I want to be this low missionary over here in Timbuktu, wherever that is, and <laughs> go to college. And like, 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 I don't know. I was like, I don't know if you're like backwoods or what the fuck, but like, I'm from California and we like do things. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I couldn't pinpoint what the fuck was wrong with him and the way he would talk to me. And so, and the, the problem was that we had to ask permission, like with everything. So it wasn't like I could just keep living there and go to school. It wasn't like I could, and, and I couldn't make any money as a woman. It was, you work for us at this rate. It's non-negotiable. I asked for raises, by the way. Wow. And then the only way you can make money as a woman here is if you marry the right person. Wow. So, I mean, and like, I'm 42 now. I was whatever, 20, early 20s. And, um, you know, like, I've had a lot of professional experience. And I, like I said, I just started my first, um, business, but I also do photography and, and write books and, um, do speaking engagements for, for my kids' books. Oh, and, and, you know, so it's like, I, like I'm capable of more than just Nanny. marrying someone. Or, yeah. or, yeah, or of course there's nothing wrong with nanny. And I know people that do actually well nanny, nannying. Well, yeah, exactly. But. And there, there isn't, and it was a great, I love kids and I always have, and I went into teaching and, and nannying is a great job, but like, you know, at some point people do sometimes outgrow positions or they outgrow whatever they did five, 10 years ago. 
This is just the normal progression of life. Sure. Right. So, and that's all I was saying is like, I want to do other things with my life. Like this is a good um, temporary stop, but now what's next? Right. And, and there was no answer for that. And I think that's partly what made me kind of wake up too, is like, there's no, there's no place for a woman in this, this type of community. Yeah. Unless you're a wife and a mom, which ultimately was something that I had always wanted to do. And, and I love being a mother. Yeah. But, you know, like I always wanted motherhood to go hand in hand with other things too. Uh, you know, I don't, I know that motherhood is complicated, right? Like, I mean, someone's <laughs> got to, <laughs> someone has to stay home with the kids usually because of, of the way things cost and, and stuff. And so a lot of times moms, um, take one for the team. Sure. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, Especially and if you're breastfeeding mom, and stuff like that, it's like, you know, the exactly. father can't do that. So. Right. And, and every couple is different. Every, everything like there's no judgment, whether you work or you stay home. I'm a hundred percent supportive of, of every parent who, you know, parents, because right. it's a hard job, yes. no matter your situation. Absolutely. But, but at the time I wasn't like quite ready for that. And I wanted to like explore the world and, maybe not explore the world. Like I didn't have the funds, but you know, just like see what's out there and, and grow. And it just was an extremely limiting environment. Um, now did you, and, did, uh, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's well, I was just going to ask. So you were in your twenties, you're the nanny full-time live-in nanny for this mega church pastor. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, did you get married while you were still doing that, your first marriage, or was that after that? No, that was after. And and actually, like, so I I was fortunate enough, I guess you could say, to not have to be a live-in nanny. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, I misheard that. No, no, no. And that may have been me earlier, but um, I might have said that. But so I lived on the, the church campus. and Okay. And so this is like kind of the funny story. I always tell about this um, person. I was like, what I thought was love. Like I was in love with this person and they were feisty like me. And, um, and I think that's what started all this was like, I told the pastor that I was the nanny for that I liked him and wanted to get to know him, but you could not get to know someone, even as kind of a friend, if you like hinted at kind of liking them they would think that you were just going to go straight to fucking. And, and so I couldn't really, I could not, they limited the time that you would spend alone with a person of the opposite sex. Wow. Like so strictly, I, I took what the little virginity pledge for like, Oh my God, you did the purity thing. I did the purity thing. I had a ring. I had a ceremony. Like it was bad. (laughs) So then I roll out of this situation at like 25 and I'm just like, what, what is life? What is sex? What are people? Like? <laughs> what is going um, on right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, um, and so, so I had to kind of find all of that on my own and like discover everything. And, 
I mean, I couldn't even tell you exactly why I got married to the individual that I did, but, um, the, the long or the short end of it is that I was super in love with this guy from college and he was my best friend. And it it took me a minute to realize that, um, he had some active addictions and just a lot of stuff from his past that did you meet him? What college? If you don't mind me, was it a Christian college? Oh, no, I actually, so I went to Cal state Northridge and finished my degree there. Oh, so okay. the LA area. Okay. Um, and, and we were both writers. He's an amazingly talented poet and a musician and, and just a really incredible, talented person. But we just through my fucked up, self and his fucked up self we never really connected but the bottom line now for a quick commercial break All right, Lisa, we're back with Lisa, everybody. I, the phone literally, as you start talking about your ex, we the call dropped and I'm like, um, I'm like, Lisa, maybe I'm a little superstitious. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't say anything about that. <laughs> we don't, we don't so, want to talk about the devil. Yeah. <laughs> so but, uh, go ahead, go ahead. If you, is there anything else you want to say about that? How long did that marriage last? And then, well, yeah, I mean, just like it's so the point was, you know, I had been in love with this, I mean, amazing, most supportive person. And, um, and it was just sad, really, that the, just, I don't know, just sometimes relationships don't work, even if they're friendships, or maybe something more. And, and so, um, so I assumed that this was like a kind person that I was, um, marrying and we dated for about four years. And was he a we... Christian? No, he was an atheist and that's how we connected. Interest. Oh, so you clearly, all the stuff we were talking about earlier when you were an, a hardcore. I dropped that shit like you. Okay. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped that shit like a hot potato. And I ran for the fucking hills. I was okay. like, I am so done with that. No, I. Um, I definitely, yeah, there was, there was a lot of like deconstruction and. Okay. We haven't even got to that part yet. No, this would be like a, a 10 month podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This would be a 25 part series on how I walked away. And they're like so over it. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, bye. Um, yeah, I just, so yeah, at that point I considered myself more atheist borderline agnostic but not really um sort of where i am today which is like i don't want a label and and i just try to respect you know i try to respect the good people out there and then um hold everyone else accountable if they're not i don't know um so so we were together a total of about eight years and it is is probably like the worst out of a lot of this stuff that I've been through because it's been, don't quote me on this exactly, maybe 602 days from when I left him and I'm still not legally like separated or divorced. 
and it's the craziest like right now this is true or you mean back then yes no right now right now i'm actively going through one of the nastiest divorces custody battles that a lot of like that a lot of people have experienced i mean people talk to me all the time and they're like what the hell yeah um like friday the 24th i called out my judge again for maybe the third or fourth time and she finally recused herself for being such a fucking cunt i mean i'm i'm so like you like this is literally what i don't understand about my my ex is you knew you you know you know how powerful my voice is right you know the amount of time I have invested into helping people who've been hurt by oppressive people or systems or organizations, and you still want to fuck with me. Right. And you want to drag our fucking kids through this. Ugh. And it's, it goes back to coercion, right? Because yeah. it's coercive control. And not, and most people just like, they just want to be over it and they want to move on, or maybe they disagree. They want what's fair or they want, um, tweaks or, or it's still like a fight, right. With kids, because now you're co-parenting with someone you're not married with. I mean, there's, there's a lot to it, but you're going to envy my situation. I was married 25 years and we I mean, there's way more details than this, but we just mm-hmm. sat at the kitchen table without lawyers and decided and walked away. Oh my God. I love that. I, and we're very that, kind with each other now. And see, I think honestly that it really like, I'm probably going to cry because that's what I wanted. I, I did sit down with him and I, at the beginning I said, look, we both agree that we're not able to make this work for whatever reasons and we've both tried and we've tried for years to make it work and and we've considered the kids like should we keep going and we had what I thought were these conversations and I thought we agreed and and I told him like I'm not gonna withhold the kids from you you can always see them call them in fact I took it steps further and when he left I would call him and say you need to get your ass over here and do bedtime because your kids haven't seen you (laughs) yeah and now when did this all start the divorce proceedings so I filed I officially filed in October 2021 wow gee many 25 year marriage ours took Less than six months. Yeah. And, now, granted, and the so, kids were adults, you, you know, 18 and yeah. 23. So. Well, okay. And so what's interesting is like when, um, what's interesting is that someone can live with you for, for a while and they're sort of like using the generic word, their mask kind of comes off. Sure. After um, the relationship ends. And, and this is something a friend told me was you don't know who you're marrying until you divorce them. Wow. I, that has resonated with me over and over and over because like you and your ex-wife, 
you know, you guys, it could have gone either way. Yeah. And, and I think it's remarkable that it didn't, especially because of the kids, because even though the kids are, were grown, I mean, it still affects the whole family. Oh, it affects absolutely. Everybody. Yeah. It was difficult. It was challenging for at least two years after the divorce Yep. to work through all that. Divorce is like the worst, even like you said before, when we were talking before we went live divorce, I don't envy anybody going through a divorce and I don't wish a divorce on anyone. I hope that they can no. always work it out. People assume because I've been divorced that I'd would support it. It's like, no, hell no. If you can fucking work no. that shit out, work it out. Like, work don't it out. do it. Like if you, and like, yes, I, I, but even though ours was very amicable, mm-hmm. it was torturous. It was the, I've never gone through grief. Like I went like through. That. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's, I, I tell people it's like this because they're like, well, didn't you guys like, don't you feel like it's better? I'm like, yeah, like definitely. I, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for her, but I, I can definitely speak for myself. Life is way better now. And I think she would say the same for her. Like we were just two completely different people, not compatible at all. Yeah. And it, it's better that we're not together. But what was wild is it still hurt like a motherfucker. You know, it's it, like being addicted to meth, right? Like, which I've never mm-hmm. been, I've never even used it, but it's like, I've heard, I've known people. Though. Yes. I I've <laughs> known of people that have been on meth and what yeah. they say is it's, it's the weirdest feeling to know in your mind, you shouldn't do it. It's bad for you, but yet yeah. you still crave it. Your body still craves it. So when I first got divorced, I, there was this weird, I'll never forget it, Lisa. I'm, I'm at the mm-hmm. court proceedings, you know, mm-hmm. and they're calling different people up for different fucking things. And, and I'm sitting there next to my soon to be ex-wife and I'm, I'm sobbing, you know, and I'm crying yeah. and, you know, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm sad, right. I'm just broken hearted at are. a, at a failed relationship, you know, 25 yeah. years invested, you know, she's the mother of my children Yep. And I'm just absolutely just broken hearted. But yeah. also there was this other part of me down way down deep that was so excited to be free, to yeah. be done, to be able to do my own life and to be, to be done with this. And it's, it was the weirdest feeling. It's, it was this mm-hmm. weird, it was such a weird feeling. And I, it's hard I think to explain. you kind of nailed it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> In a nutshell, right? That's I. I mean, I've talked. I try to connect with as many people who've been through what we have, for that. Just for that reason, because um, I don't think anyone understands those feelings like someone who's experienced a divorce. Right. Um, and I was meeting with a client the other day for, I'm actually taking photos of a wedding, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. We could talk and, so much about that. <laughs> right. I'm in the wedding business. I'm an efficient, everybody knows this. And I guess, you know, <laughs> so I do like a lot, like I'm the number one efficient in Kansas city. And I'm also, oh I, awesome. I'm a photographer, but I don't. I don't do weddings unless it's just a dear friend. And I always say I'll be a second shooter. I don't want to be the main person, Uh, too much responsibility, too much could go wrong. Plus to be honest with you, I'm just, I'm not at that level yet. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good to me in my own mind. But 
you know, mm. see, you want pictures of your pet. You want me to come to your birthday party and take pictures. You want me to come and do family shoots. Absolutely. I'm totally down, yep. but I, yeah. ain't, I ain't doing your wedding. Anyway, it's a, it's a big job. And certainly, I mean, Oh, a lot can go, wrong, but, but so, and I was telling her, I'm like, even though I'm going through this nasty divorce, I still believe in love. I believe in marriage and and weddings and all the beautiful things that celebrates. Right. That's and good I, to hear. Yeah. And, and I was telling her like, well, I made a joke to her. I was like, she goes, is there anything else you need? I was like, maybe like a hot single dad, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, I think it's mostly couples. And, and I was explaining to her, I was like, that's one of the things I miss about being married. Um, is and and at the time thinking you're kind of like happily married in some ways was this you know you've got the kids and you've you've got this person beside you and you guys go do things with your friends and your family and they all have kids and it's like it's just such a nice like vibe and and you do family things together and it's like they understand how much stress you're under with a group of small children or right you know, they understand why you show up looking like a fucking train wreck walking out the door as the kid's mom and the kids look gorgeous. Like, right. or there's a poopy diaper and it's not the fucking end of the world. And just all these things that make, make life a little like less stressful because people are, are sort of empathetic. Right. Um, and, and I do miss that. And like, it's interesting because I've, I kind of, well, you said I was hard to find on social media it's because I deleted tons of people from my Facebook and just went straight like underground with just the small group of people and I almost never add anyone to that small profile yeah and um and so but still that group was like what I thought you guys were happy and and you know it's like I don't know I mean I I I thought there were times we were happy and there were times where it was really good. And, and then, um, then there were larger issues that I thought maybe they were just common. Maybe it was like how marriage is supposed to be right. Like you just never sleep with each other anymore. You just never have sex. I don't know. I thought that was like a normal occurrence. (laughs) Should be. Yeah. And well, no, you never sleep with the partner. Like I just didn't, we never had sex. Oh my we God. Were, Are you serious? Like we rarely, rarely. In fact, my kids were conceived through artificial insemination. Like that's wow. how rarely. <laughs> wow. Like I was paid it... to get pregnant. It's interesting. Did he not want to engage or did you not want to, or was it just. Well, the, or both? the way the judge the way the judge puts it is that there we had some issues with our sex life, um, and it's I think it's a lot more than what we have time for. But, um, you know, and well, so one of the first stories I published in a college magazine was called "Some Some Reasons Women Don't Orgasm." Yeah, <laughs> and just talking about like at least from a my perspective as a woman, um, and how I experience womanhood, um, this is what sort of turns me on and turns me off 
And so I think that the people in general, like some people need a connection and, and that was true for me. And some people need to be treated a certain way or understood or listened to. And, and then of course, all the, the physical, the power. other, yeah. Right. And that builds on it. And, um, and so that coupled with just other behaviors and, and honestly at the root of it, I think was just pathological lying but I'm not sure that that they kind of know that that's the situation right I think that sometimes people may suffer from something and they might not know and um I I don't know all I can say is I got to a point where I was starting to ask random people like how did you know you needed to get a divorce and and someone very poignantly said when you're asking this question (laughs) that's exactly what i would have said the fact that you're asking means that that should start today And, and then um then this you know incredibly sad situation afterwards because I'm very close to my family. And so my family had all embraced this person as family and we had done everything together for years and they had invested in, in him. And, um, I mean, it, it just, it was a tragedy for everyone involved, everybody. Um, and, and I, again, like I came at this from, from this enlightened feminist, point of view like we are going to co-parent beautifully like the kids are going to always feel like they can go to either house at any time and if you want to pick them up for dinner just call me like whatever right no big deal and then um meanwhile while I was saying these things his mom um got involved and hired one of the top two attorneys in town who's the most contentious and they surprised me with a hearing that um, I had an attorney, but the attorney didn't say a word and didn't fight for me, didn't advocate for my kids. And we have been locked into this schedule that the kids, it's its not developmentally appropriate for having what was then like, I think maybe a, a six month old or an eight month old. I can't remember exact age of the baby. Um, and at the time I think they, the triplets were three. And so just really learning about the inner workings of the courts and how the judges and the attorneys have no, they don't care. I don't know if they've been trained on child development and what's appropriate or they just disregard it. Um, but what's ended up happening through, these 600 something days is that I may have to sort of start another blog and um, do what I did before because there's like this subpopulation of people who are primarily women who've been with partners who are abusive, but not physically more psychological. And what the research is showing is that a lot of times these people have like cluster B personality disorders um, like psychopathy, um, sociopathy, narcissism, which is like sort of this 
quasi technical term. Sure. I guess there a lot of people don't believe in using it. Um, and, and what was interesting is one of the reasons our marriage got driven apart was he once told me his mom was a sociopath and it, it wasn't the label, but it was her behaviors and they were things I couldn't tolerate. And I would tell him that. And so because there was no real like healthy way to address this person and the behavior didn't start until I was pregnant with triplets. So like, I mean, there was no good answer for this really. Um, and now it's even worse in some ways because it's like, well, now my kids are subjected to basically being raised by a sociopath because she does all the caretaking. Um, it's like you're co-parenting with her. I am actually, this is what I do say is like there, um, there was a time she was rocking my baby Juniper and she whispered just to where only I could hear it, that the baby wanted her more than me. And that is literally like the defining moment of this whole divorce, this whole co-parenting. I mean, you are, you nailed it because she wants one week on one week off because it works for her schedule and our kids are too young. So I fight that as much as I can, which isn't much. And it's like everything she wants, she gets because I'm not sure what her financial resources are. Um, but I can tell you that collectively I'm probably 150 thousand dollars out from my marriage with him and all the the financial abuse was just almost the opposite of what most financial abuse is um and and so i'm trying to like rebuild all of that right now and i mean um this is real juicy for people who like podcasts i guess but (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's and i'm i'm candid about it because you wouldn't believe the types of people who are being affected by this. I mean, it's all types of people. There's celebrities going through this. There's moms in homeless shelters. There's, um, you know, just, just literally it's affecting a lot of different, um, people. And, and I'm trying to figure out where the, the problem lies. Like some of it is the law. And then there's also pockets of attorneys and judges who like, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. if there's, if there's corruption or if there's also that sort of like sociopathic tendencies within those personalities and they just kind of collectively can get away with this. Right. Uh, or they don't care. Right. They have like 40 clients at a time and you're just in them. I don't know, but I will say that when I did kick him out, um, because because I had to, um, he made a joke about shooting me and burying me in the backyard. And, um, and the judge thought that was a funny joke. Um, and when I reported it to the sheriff, the sheriff told me to be careful about his attorney. So now we're talking about someone who jokes about shooting me and then an attorney that a sheriff is warning me about. 
And this attorney is also a judge. Like he sits as a commissioner here in Kern County in California. And my request for a change of venue was denied, even though I proved like, hey, this guy is a judge and sits on cases. But the law doesn't um, it, the law doesn't support me in that. Interesting. So I'm battling against a sociopath and a judge. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like someone needs to shoot that judge and bury him in someone else's backyard. <laughs> well, and it was here's the funny thing is it was a woman. Oh. <laughs> it was a woman, and I brought to this judge's attention. Um, and also, by the way, we're just kidding. These are all jokes. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but but and I say that because these fucking people are so irritating. They don't they don't have a sense of humor unless it's like, oh yeah, it's funny. <laughs> right. But he did that. This, like, I was looking for proof because the sheriff said, like, look, it's never this is never gonna go anywhere because we need a certain type of evidence. So I'm trying to look through some of the evidence if I had any. And I dug up like five messages from my um ex saying that he wanted to go on a shooting spree and and I took it kind of like as a joke at the time he was having a stressed out day but like the more shit comes out during this divorce and the more weird shit happens and then the stuff in the world so I brought that up to the judge and she was like well he didn't say that he was going to go on a shooting spree and kill you <laughs> wow you know i've never said that right i've never said that either <laughs> i've never said that in fact i don't think I i've ever even never thought that, that. <laughs> no, i've never thought that either so but but you know where your mind goes when you're stressed and when you're going through this is like sure. well yeah but like if things don't go his way is he going to shoot up our kid's school or our kid's preschool right you know, like, I don't yeah, it's know. super serious. Because, I'm surprised they don't take that more serious these days. Well, you know what I did? I told the judge and his lawyer, I said, you guys think this is a fucking joke. And I'm documenting it here today in a two-hour hearing. Yeah. Because if something happens to me or something happens in the future, your asses are on the line now. You're held accountable. And I said, I took this shit so fucking serious that I submitted a report to the FBI. And Ryan Smith called me. Ryan Smith is a pseudonym. Yeah. But, and everyone told me, like, oh, you know, if you report it, no one's going to care. Well, someone cared because I did get a call. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and they asked where he worked, what he looked like, um, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm telling you, like, I don't take this shit lightly. When I have a bad feeling and... um. And now I just sound, I know I just sound crazy, but this is, this is what, like, this is everyday torture, right? I right. mean, and when I first submitted a domestic violence complaint, um, a restraining order or attempted, my speed sensor line in my van was cut. And of course, everyone was like, oh, it was an accident or, or an animal, or it was, it just happened because of wear and tear. And, um, and the police refused to take fingerprints. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine if no one believes me. But again, my ex knows I'm a writer 
and I will, I will get to the bottom of every last thing. Yeah. Everything, whether, and I like hope that my, my ex-mother-in-law is not psychotic enough to like try to get a hitman or something like that. But, and, and it's even, if you go missing, I'll, uh, I'll do a podcast about it. Thank you. (laughs) Hey everybody. Remember that podcast I did? I cannot (laughs) find this woman again. I can't find her again. (laughs) (laughs) She's gone missing again. Again. Well, and like, it's like, do you even talk about this? Because it's (laughs) so weird. And, and these are just things that I'm hoping are just going through my mind being stressed out. But, um, you know, like, (laughs) well, you know, I think the reality is Lisa for every, threat or every whatever right clearly not everybody that makes threats does that happen but right it's still you know i don't find it humorous and and i don't find it to be a joke um you know i don't know what the statistics are uh i don't know if you followed the gabby petito um, case but you know Mm -hmm. i i think the world or at least america i got sucked into it because of my daughter and yeah. meaning, be, meaning she was real similar to the same age as, as Gabby Petito, but it was like, dear Lord, had those officers taken that domestic violent pullover serious, you know, Gabby Petito would still be alive today. And in fact, the fucker, I don't even know, remember his name, but he would be alive today too. Maybe in trouble, maybe on probation, I don't, you know, whatever, right. maybe in jail. I don't know, but it, it. It's like, fuck, like they missed, I feel, you know, now reflecting back on the whole case, I really felt that the police did a a disservice to, you know, that couple and Gabby Petito in that time. Now, clearly, you know, she, she wasn't helping them as much by kind of defending him. But again, when you're, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm trained in that way. So you right. Know, I saw that exchange and I was like, guys, do you not see what's going on here? Like she's taking mm-hmm. the blame for mm-hmm. the shit that he's doing. Like, it's like, she's taking blame for why he hit her. Like she deserved it. Like, yeah, come on, read the fucking room guys. Like, well, they can't. And the thing that I've learned through different groups of women who've gone through this is a lot of times they're divorcing law enforcement so that's a problem in and of itself is that sometimes there's people, and again, it goes back to like pastors, right? Like not every law enforcement officer is a wife beater Absolutely. or whatever. Like this is not the case at all. But, and, and luckily, like I just saw locally um, an internal investigation on uh, our police department did an internal investigation finding um, someone they finally caught someone internally for doing a bunch of messed up shit. And so I know like they're trying to get to the root of it and, and stuff, but. Which is, which is a real. Yes, it is. And they arrested this person and, and I'm sure that they're going to continue that type of work. And it's, it's probably only through people like me mentioning like, like when I called the cops and I showed them, I just had the the picture of the speed sensor line because um, I think the mechanic was uh, fixing it and boxing it up and all that. I didn't have it. And so when luckily my police department sent a survey link immediately after and I 
laid into them. I said, you have clearly need to do training on domestic violence um, with these officers, with all of your officers, because the way they responded to me, the way they dismissed me was completely like, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I have no words, but I said, granted, now that I'm understanding the laws, the laws do basically protect the the person cutting the line. Like there's, there's not a lot of protection for me. There's nothing substantiated. I don't have video footage or the things that now I know I need to get or right. I need to always have. And it's just, you live and learn the hard way. So I don't necessarily fault them um, for certain decisions they made because they were acting within the scope of the law. So there the law needs to be analyzed and and scrutinized for nuances for cases like this or for domestic violence or you know whatever and and it, of course it's easy to say yeah this was an animal okay but it clearly does look like it happened from a very sharp knife or scissors yeah so you know like and again there's nothing that says he did it i mean sure it could have been an accident. It could have been sure. whatever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the amount of people that didn't believe me outweighed the one or two who believed me that something suspect was happening. Right. <laughs> and that helps me really continue like talking about it. Um, because, we we literally just don't know what people are facing or what kind of things are happening without without this kind of and and literally like if i would have kept my kids from him because that happened they would have been taken from me i would have lost all custody i would have been thrown in jail wow and this is the reality like some women are facing when um when the violence is is like psychological. Right. Rather than versus, physical. Yeah. And, and that's what the sheriff told me. He's like, you know, you've got to be basically dead or almost dead. <laughs> hey guys, guess what? It was true. <laughs> How do you know? She's dead. Yeah. Oh, so now we know she wasn't just crying wolf. Yeah. And you know what? And, and I have to say, I, I hope to God I didn't, ruin this officer's life or job because I have told everyone who listened that he turned off his camera or his audio recording and told me this to protect me. Like, and I'm telling everyone because there's domestic violence agencies that I've told that this sheriff told me this about this attorney and they're just appalled. Like, again, it goes back to the pastor's. Yeah. These are leaders in our community. They're pillars. They've been working for 20 years. Um, they they lead the courtroom. Um, they they get successful wins for clients of all kinds. You know, good people too. Yeah. And so it's really exposing this like dark underbelly of things that happen. And and again, like. You know, I told you about the anxiety I had with all that before. And so I'm still very hesitant to even come forward like I should. Right. Um, and especially like, you know, I'm a kid's author who like 
who wants to hear from the kids author that this shit's happening right and it's real like no one wants to hear that fucking shit it's not on brand right (laughs) 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 this is not what my agent signed up for (laughs) well i am curious so i i did not we actually didn't talk about this portion before we went live so (laughs) (laughs) so are you uh, so you're not, I would imagine you're not dating anyone at this point or you have met somebody. Well, I did. So pretty quickly afterwards, I would say everyone would say, um, as one does, I tried to get out there and just like meet people and connect. And I mean, look, it was like a fucking eight year prison of no sex. So right. like, I am a human being. (laughs) Yes. Say no more. I understand. Right. I mean, and really like, and what's weird is like, oh my God, the looks like you're a mom. I thought you were fucking Mary. Like, you know, you're a saint. You shouldn't be having sex. It was, it's really weird. A weird space. Well, so I did meet someone and we, um, we lived together and dated for about a year and, um, and just kind of did maybe like what you and your ex did, like parted ways amicably. We're still friends. He's a great guy. He has a great family. Um, it's just, that's one of the realities of dating is it doesn't always end up as, you know, the end all be all. Um, but I think, and that's, that was what was weird about before I had met my husband I think I can still call him my husband because we're still married um is I had always like parted ways peacefully with people I dated yeah it was just like hey we didn't work out oh well like which is another sign you're not I've always been suspicious to be honest I was a little nervous just a minute ago because I'm like if she describes every one of her exes as some kind of psychopath narcissist Right. Uh, uh-oh. I'm going to be like, hey, Lisa, I'm going to be really honest since we're <laughs> like, you're the psychopath, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, well, clearly, like, yeah, if you've ended most every relationship always ends well and it's just been this time been difficult. That's very good to hear because, um, you know, as we both know, I mean, I've I've definitely talked to men and or women who, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, all six of my exes were narcissists. I'm like, really? Like, really? You just happen to fucking pick out a narcissist every fucking time? Yeah, which, I mean, there is some psychology behind that, too. But but picking sort of the same types of people. But sure. Yeah. What I I mean, I don't stay friends with my exes for as long as we live. And for me personally, if I'm in a relationship, it's a closed relationship once I commit um that's right you don't live in utah (laughs) no no i don't (laughs) you're not one of many wives (laughs) no i don't and i and like even in la it's very popular like you'll meet someone oh polyamorous polyamorous and i've been hit on by people who are um polyamorous and open we're open yeah yeah and like that's cool for you it's just not my cup of tea so so for me, like, I don't maintain these ongoing friendships, um, with my exes, but we part ways, um, on the same page. Like that was a great time. We learned something from it. But no and, future. And, 
yeah. And sometimes like we may stay friends because maybe we, um, have similar like careers or whatever, but sure. But it's not, it's never been quite like this and, um, and have always gotten along with my boyfriend's moms. (laughs) Even kind of worse because I'm like, dang it. Now this time it, (laughs) like the time it really matters to get along with, um, grandma. (laughs) Right. Right. And this isn't, um, so yeah. And it's, um, it's, I do like that you said what you said, because I think a lot of times women don't share these experiences because we know that, that people are looking critically at, at both parties. Sure. (laughs) Well, I think most people understand, and I mean, you do too. We all, everybody does. I think everybody understands that there's typically not in any divorce in any divorce it's it's not a hundred percent one person's in the right or right. you know it's it's maybe it's not 50 50 maybe it's 60 40 maybe it's even seven thirty seventy thirty but yeah. it's you know it's it's definitely not a hundred percent this person was just this perfect little uh, oh, angel no. and and their ex was just you know a total piece of shit um there's blame to go around clearly yeah um and, and I mean, think yeah. that's part of like learning about yourself too, is like, why didn't this work? Sure. And how did I contribute to this relationship failing or being broken? And, and there's probably a lot of self-reflection I need to continue doing. It's still fresh. And like you said, like there's, there's no greater pain and grief and then then when you add like small children into it and now you're you know for going through the postpartum stage where you have like a six-month-old baby yeah and you have to hand the baby over to another home and and like luckily he and I when we parented together we were on the same page on a, a lot of things yeah and so that has really helped, but it still doesn't take away this, this like idea of motherhood that I had that I'll never get back. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it literally just is what it is right now. Like I, I try to maintain the best, um, life for my kids when they're with me. And I try to just, um, be supportive. Like I've, forced him to do phone calls like every night since we split up um because sometimes he wouldn't um call or he wouldn't want to or or whatever like i'm sure just a lot of issues too right like you're you're dealing with the other party um and but i've always tried to to make the kids um hey here's a place where you can you know talk to your dad and Sure. And say hi, tell them about your day. And I'll try to encourage that and do what I can do and and then pass that. Like whatever happens over there, I can't control it, which is obviously really hard. Yeah. And and back to that, right? Like there's there's things we do wrong. Like he's called me controlling in court. And um and I think 
there's, I don't want to assign labels like that to myself from someone who hasn't played fair. Sure. Um, but I do always want to be open to feedback because I, I know that I am extremely flawed in a lot of ways and, and we all are because we all have different upbringings. Absolutely. So, you know, there's no one is going to escape from being like, um, an asshole. Right. <laughs> we just are. Right. Right. And, and I think my last relationship taught me a lot too. Like, yeah, I could probably learn how to communicate better or like, um, maybe not get angry about stupid things or I I mean, I don't know. There's like, there's the, the sky's the limit. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I can tell you for, for sure, like better days are coming. I mean, my story's different than yours, but you know, my divorce happened in 2019. So I've been divorced for, you know, four years now. And, um, you know, I finally met someone, you know, and, oh, and awesome. yeah, and we're engaged and we get married next month and, oh, yeah. So I like okay, you. Yeah. Well, and like <laughs> you, I, even going through a divorce, I was never, of course I'm a, I work as a matchmaker also here in Kansas city. I'm a date coach, oh matchmaker, relationship coach. I'm a wedding guy. So People wondered yes. if this was going to like spoil I'm interviewing you later about uh, matchmaking. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> we can talk about that, but it, it definitely for me, uh, which total side note, we can talk about this in a minute, but love is blind. If you have Netflix, you got to watch it. Oh, it's such yeah. a great series, even though I'm not into reality TV. In fact, I hate reality yeah. TV, but this yeah. is fascinating anyway. Oh, that's um, cool. so yeah, I mean, it, the, there's hope and, and I never did lose my, love for love and romance and all yeah. of that. So I just need to do some self healing. You know, I went to counseling for a year and, yeah, and really worked on myself, did the inner work and really tried to just better myself and be very self-aware and, and yeah. like you said, open for feedback. And then, you know, once mm-hmm. I worked through the grief and once I really got to the other side of it, um, and I went through the phases, you know, when I first got divorced, I was the hookup King. I mean, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was pretty yeah. wild. <laughs> I think the, I think I my, all are. yeah, I was going to say, I think some people thought I was running a brothel through my apartment, but yeah. <laughs> okay. they're judgmental. Yeah. And, it, but you know what it was for me, it was therapy. In fact, my, my yes. female counselor is the one that said, Timmy, just go for it. Do you do you and do everybody you want to do? Like, just do it. You know? And I was like, Okay. All right. I'll take that advice and I'm going to live by my therapist said to do it anyway. So I went through that and then I did the friends with benefits. And then I read a book that really made an impact on me. I talk about it a lot. It's called how to not die alone by Logan, by Logan Uri. It's a great book. I did a podcast on it. You can listen to the podcast. I cover most of it, but great book. Um, Great title. Yeah, great title. I, you know, the the title, believe it or not, for me, it was triggering. I didn't like the title. That's uh, true. It kind of triggered me, but I was like, well, I heard it was a decent book, so I, I got it. I read it. Really mm-hmm. made an impact on me. Uh, not too long, and I I give the book credit, even though this isn't legitimately really probably true. But almost right after I finished the book. I met my fiance. <laughs> oh my God. So that's kind of weird, but I think it was really more of just my mindset. I had worked through my hookups, worked through the yeah. friends with benefits, yeah. got myself to a place where I was like, you know what? 
I'm I'm ready for love. I'm ready to meet someone again. I'm I'm ready to to quote unquote, you know, settle down and and yeah. find my my person, if you will. And yep. uh, you know, whatever, God, the universe, whatever the fuck's out there, I don't know, or just just happenstance. Uh, yeah. we did meet in a pretty serendipitous way. And I need to know, like, how did you meet? That's like the yeah. the key to the story, right? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so here's something cool. I think you'll appreciate this now knowing more of your situation. So I was doing the apps, you know, I was doing Tinder yeah. and Bumble and Hinge yeah. and all that. Hinge to me is, is, was my favorite. Uh, they okay. all, they all ish worked for me ish. I yeah. mean, it was a lot yeah. of fucking work. Like, go through a hundred women is. to find two, you know, two real ones. <laughs> and real, then like, not they fake bot? bots. They yeah. Like <laughs> well, I know this, and this is a fact I've done enough research on it now for, for men, it's you're, you are thumbing through a shit ton of fake profiles, robots, yes. bots. Yeah. Uh, not only that, what I realized, and, and I learned this firsthand, there was a, one particular female that I matched with and we'd start talking, she actually confessed to me that she was working for an agency. What? And yeah. Here's what's crazy. She, she was in a room, like a telemarketer room with like a hundred other women who had oh each like 10 profiles that they <gasps> were working. Like it was a, it was a, it was a scam. Oh my God. I need to know more about that. Yeah. Awesome. So it, what was so cool about it was though unique is that she actually really was attracted to me. Like she actually <laughs> yeah. thought I was, and just so happens that call center was located here in Kansas city. So I actually met her in real life. We went out and she told me the whole story. She goes, yeah, I work for a call center. That's uh, that's based out of California. And, yeah. you know, we create fake profiles. We often do use our real pictures. Um, oh so there's anyway, it's it, and and she said even sometimes we use pretty much our our real stories. Um, so what's the end goal, though? To get people to uh, either um, sign up for their dating service deal or to sign up for or to get money or like there's all these fucking scams that they're basically they're running scams. Okay. So, and she was getting paid for it. So yeah. she looked at it as, well, I'm not doing the scam. I'm just, I work for a, it's like she was an actress is almost how she looked at it. She's an actress. Right. Yeah. She's getting paid. Yeah. Very fascinating. We can talk more about that later, but so yeah. anyway, um, it was very difficult, uh, to, it was just very time consuming. But mm -hmm. my job mm -hmm. allowed for some time like that. So I was doing the swipe yeah. thing. Yeah. I finally, I read this book. I was like, fuck dating apps. This is no, if the universe can't, if I can't just meet someone out in real life, especially now that COVID's quasi over or whatever, I'm like, you know right. what? I, fuck it. I want to meet people organically and I'm not a rec recluse. So it's like, I'm out in the out yep. in public. And yeah. so I did, I got off all the dating apps. And I mm -hmm. went four hours away from Kansas City to a place called Eureka Springs mm -hmm. wildly on a date. I, I went four hours for a weekend date with this girl. Fun. It uh -huh. was fun. But while on that date, I met my now fiance. <gasps> oh my She's God. a singer okay. in a band. And so we went to this restaurant and there was live music on the patio. So we went out to the <laughs> patio to watch this live band, you know, this live music thing. And the lead yeah. singer 
she, you know, she caught my eye. I thought, obviously, she's very beautiful. She is very beautiful. Yeah. But I thought, you know, she's cute. And so I found out her Instagram and the girl mm-hmm. that I was with, that was just a date. We, it wasn't anything. Right. So yeah. when we came back to Kansas City, I, you know, started chit-chatting a little bit here and there with uh, my fiance, her, fiance, her name's Jessica. And uh-huh. we talked for about eight months through Instagram. And then oh finally uh, found out she lived only like, a few miles from me and uh, we went to coffee and the rest is history. We, that coffee led to, you know, another coffee and then dinner and then, you know, more and more. And it just kept our relationship kept going. Going. And it was such a pure relationship too. You know, we, we left the intimacy for later. Like we really not, this was for no religious bullshit. We just genuinely were like, Hey, I really like you before we get intimate. Let's like get to know each other. And, uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. She's the, she's an absolute gift. I love that on like so many levels because what the, my experience has been is like, Oh, you know, here's my dick or do you want to hook up or do you want uh friends, you know, like all these different requests. And it's like, hi, like there's a lot to me. Right. And I am a really cool person, period. Yeah. So until you're ready to like uncover all of that and like invest in maybe a friendship or, or whatever, like, but at some point, like people, like if there's no sort of investment and I love that you, like you both took the time to get to know each other, which I think is really, really important. And, and what I also love too, I think my, um, my next, I guess, relationship, I hope will be something similar. Like, you know, it sounds like she has, I want to say almost like a similar lifestyle or similar ambitions, but in her own way. Right. Yeah. Like you guys both do very creative work and are involved in a lot of things and, and maybe a little more public than some people. And it works because you guys both have that energy and you're both, working towards that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I never really like was, I mean, I haven't now I'm able to kind of look for someone who's more of a match in that regard. Right. Like some people are very closed off, like, Oh, well you have this public presence as an author. I don't like that. Well, then I'm not for you because, you know, I'm not changing that. (laughs) I'm not changing it. I can't. I've got to sell like the 10 books that I'm going to sell from Instagram. Right. I mean, it's like we we know that it's not like this huge thing necessarily, but, but still it's, it's expected from like my publisher or whatever. It's part of the gig. Sure. And so, um, so I don't know. I'm just kind of right now I'm sort of exploring like, you know, not just who wants to invest into me, but who do I want to kind of like get to know more Absolutely. and and just kind of, I think take everything super slow since I, um, have had some time pass between, you know, my marriage ending. And then even my last relationship, like I said, was really great and it was, it was healthy and it was fun. And, um, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe things, there might be explored later, but, sure. but for right now, like I'm just focusing on me, my kids and, um, and whatever 
I'm trying to pour a lot of energy into, like, I love that you referenced the universe because I've started to kind of be like maybe slightly mystical in that sense. Like, yeah. like whatever I, like the universe has something out there, something really Absolutely. like cool. And if I start putting my energy toward that and, and expecting it, I don't want to limit myself by something so tiny and so small that, um, that I miss out on something incredible. And, and I don't know what is in store for me. I know I have like dreams and I have goals and that's good, but I'm really trying to stay narrowly focused on moving forward, whatever that means. That's just my sort of like mantra right now is just keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, I say it's important that you can't, at least this is what I teach. I say that in order to meet the right person, you've got to be the right person. You, you know, do. and when I'd say that, it, what I'm reflecting on is that, you know, if you want to find the right person, you got to find yourself first. You do. And it was a, it was a, you know, it was a process of, you know, I, I dated a lot and I, cause I wanted to know what I liked, what I didn't like, you know, I'd only, been I think in, that's important too. Yeah. 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 Self-discovery. Self-discovery. And then also like, well, it's also, you're not limiting yourself. Like, like I have this friend, um, we met on an airplane, actually, she's a super cool lady, very successful. And because she's so successful, she doesn't date a lot or, you know, super openly. Yeah. And I was telling her, like, I went through a phase after my divorce. I was just saying yes to like everyone and everything. I'm not everything, everything, but sure, sure. I was saying yes to like, instead of like, I hear a lot of women say, I won't date this guy because he's you know, this height or that, whatever. And like, he has a beard or he doesn't have a beard or, I mean, just superficial things. And really like when you start saying no, and you start like, um, closing yourself off, you, I don't know. I think there's something really powerful about just opening yourself up and exploring and kind of having an adventure. And, and that means meeting new personalities and, and people from new backgrounds and, different careers or different personality types. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you've seen the movie. Yes, man with Jim Carrey. Okay. (laughs) So to me, that was part and parcel of my journey. I had seen that movie Mm -hmm. previously, but then seeing it again, it just opened. I realized that, man, I need to say yes more and explore more and get out more and do fun things. And, and just, if I want to meet someone extraordinary, then I need to personally live an extraordinary life. And, you know, make myself available. And, and I think a lot of people like in dating, they're like, oh, that means you're sleeping with every single person you meet. No, 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 it doesn't. And, and yet you can still have conversations with people. You can, I mean, you can look at it as networking for all I care. I don't care what you label it, Sure. but, but you're still opening yourself up to what's out there in the world. And, and you're, you are saying yes to, to yourself too, in that sense too, like yes. you're growing and you're expanding and, and your world becomes bigger. The more you learn about people around you and different experiences. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I've met a lot of friends who like complain that they're alone and, and complain this or that. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's only one person to blame for that yep. because First of all, I'm not a boring person, so I'm not bored when I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah. 
But second of all, like go out and meet someone, like go sit at a coffee shop or, you know, go take a flight or just talk like, God, my mom and my dad are super social. And it used to kind of bug me that we'd go to the grocery store and like, oh, you got to talk to everybody there, the cashier, (laughs) you know, like, because I was so shy. And now, like, I can't shut up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, how's your day to the cashier? Like, what's your life about? And, you know, and I'm just like being friendly and chatty, but, but there's something to be said about that face-to-face connection that I think we all missed when we were, you know, like having the COVID situation and stuff. And, and there's my ex-boyfriend got me into breweries. So like, I'll go drink beer occasionally and um kind of have acquired a taste for that and the culture and um I don't know there's just there's something like interesting about just going and talking to people and and there's one place I love going to in particular and I tell some people there because I've like made friends and I'm like the art of conversation is lost right like you literally cannot go. And even what you and I are doing, what we've done today, it's a lost, like it's, it's dying. It's a form that, that is no longer going to exist. Maybe a brewery and, and, and share a beer and have a conversation with someone about literally anything. I don't know. I, well, I love it. Yeah, I do too. And I'm like, where are my people? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's I, I once had a friend tell me he said um he said dating dating's he said I like people don't like to think about this but it's kind of a numbers game meaning the more mm-hmm. people you meet, the more people you get out and around to mm-hmm. me and to him as we were talking it's like it just you just give yourself more opportunities and potential to to meet someone that you connect with. And, Absolutely. you know, I have a lot of thoughts and ideas on, on marriage. And I think what I think is important, obviously there's got to be a physical, uh, attraction of some sort. Yes, um, there's, absolutely. then after that, then there needs to be, uh, some kind of an emotional connection or emotional attraction. Mm-hmm. And then that there, you got to be compatible. I mean, you can have tickles in the tummy and have hot sex. That does not mean yeah. you're going to have a good no. relationship. And, you know, then comes the compatibility and, and that's, you know, with, with my fiance, we, we just wanted to do it the right way. You know, I said, yeah, we could, we could have just jumped right into bed and I'm sure it would have been fabulous. Right. Right. But both of us were like, Hey, I really like you. So like, I want to get to know you first before we really invest in each other going to that next phase. And that's what I think a lot of guys, you know, I mean, women too. Well, obviously yeah. if guys are hooking up, yeah. who are they hooking up with other women, unless they're gay, me. I guess, but no, of course, but <laughs> they're hooking up with me. That's right. But I think, you know, the, the reality is it's, you know, you, you said kind of off the cuff that, you know, guys are, you know, they send dick pics or they say, let's hook up. You want to meet, mm-hmm. you want to friends with benefits. Like, which is fine. You, you, everybody it do is, you. you, you can do that. But when, when I got to the stage where I, I even as a dude was like, no, that's that I, yes, it was fun. I have stories that I could literally do several podcasts on and just tell Same. some stories that, you know, married people would be like, <gasps> I mean, I, I have know. stories, but the reality is it was, 
empty. It was fun, but it was not fulfilling ultimately. And even during that time, I knew it was only a phase. I knew I wanted a life partner. I knew I wanted someone that I could not only want to fuck, but I also wanted to hold hands with and talk to Mm -hmm. and cuddle Mm -hmm. with and go grocery shopping with and walk the dogs with. Like, I didn't just want someone to have sex with. So, you know, when There's guys lead, right. When guys lead with sex or women, whatever, yeah. or let me just say this, because I know guys are usually pretty aggressive when guys are leading with that. And a, a woman thinks, well, I'll, I'll do that to get him to love me. I'm telling you right now that does not work. That right. literally well, yeah. works the opposite of what you think. I was, yep. I was more vested in my fiance knowing that she wasn't going to do that. Like it made me more interested in her. Plus I realized, well, gosh, if she's doing that with me, well, I know she's not been sleeping around with everybody, you know? Yeah. And that, and I think too, it's like, it's a mutual respect and a mutual investment in someone. And you're telling someone like, I'm going to take the time to be thoughtful about this and actually get to know what's underneath you. Like you look, you know, whoever I find attractive, you look hot. I want to fuck you. And I do, but I also want to like, get to know this other side of you, which is just as important. Like you said, that Absolutely. walk the dog, watch TV, whatever. I don't know, go travel, like the everyday things. And then also the important things. And, and it just, it tends to make things last longer, be more fulfilling Um, And again, like, I do love that we've gone from both being reverends to like, now we're still acting like, you know, purity people in a sense, but we, but but not that it's, it's weird how these ideas like that we did accept there's some, maybe some truth to it, or there's some merit, a a nugget of something there. There's enough of something that, um, you know, because I loved nothing more than being married to someone and feeling like that was my one and only. And, oh, it's just nice to not have to, like, go look again or be off the market. Oh, like, I loved that. I love the security. I I enjoy relationships. Like, I think it's fun to, to have someone like, you know, my ex-boyfriend. He would cook and he would grocery shop and he would plan for me and the kids and he was amazing at it. And it's like, there is no greater act of love than when someone like takes care of you like that and, and does the small things that maybe, you know, get overlooked and they just come in and they're like, boom, like life was like my life. I feel like my life leveled up when I was with him in in ways that I didn't anticipate from just meeting him. And, you know, and, and every relationship looks different, but that was just such a nice feeling to have this person who like thinks about you beyond, Oh, my dick is hard. Great. Or, or whatever. Like right, I mean, right. women, yes, women are just the same. Like we are, right. <laughs> but again, it goes, I think it goes back to like where we're at with things and um and I went through phases and then now I'm in a different one and um and and likewise like you know no one stays stagnant hopefully is 
is kind of the point. Yeah. And there's no doubt, you know, as a guy, I always thought that guys were the, the, you know, the super sexy sex fiends, right? Guys just want sex all the time. What's, what's, what I've learned in this journey is that if you treat a woman, right, she'll probably want to out sex you. It's a, it's a very interesting thing that when a, when a man treats a woman like she should be treated and just, you know, loves her and is kind and courteous and thoughtful and, you know, all those things. There's no greater. She will wear your ass out. You will be ordering the blue pill just to keep up. A thousand percent. You nailed it. Yeah. And it's, it's literally Pardon the like, pun. <laughs> no, I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You see, sometimes I'm like with it and sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. But it goes back to like that very first short story I wrote where I think I was discovering that about myself. And like, like this is this is what turns a woman or at least a woman like me on and maybe similar for other women. But we really, and that's why I'm just like, really like, yes, you have a great dick, you have a great, whatever. Like, this is all wonderful, but like, you really don't know how to make a girl really, really into you. And, and sometimes like, I had a guy hit me up the other day and I was like, like, do you need, you want me to like, take you, buy you a drink? I'm going to teach you. <laughs> yeah. Let me show and you. Not by, not by fucking you. I'm going to literally teach you. Yes. What, you know, like how to truly make a woman feel a certain way so that things just end very well for you, you know? And yeah. like, and not by me, just me being sort of that, like, Hey, let me just come be your friend and show you. Cause there's, I think, and that's, again, goes back to like, um, you know, cooking for me was a huge thing because, um, and I think maybe just as like a mom, a lot of times those things were left on me a hundred percent. And so I would go to work and I would be exhausted and I would come home and I would still have to like do all the household things and then all the, the kid stuff. And it, it's so nice when someone loves you enough to look at like these gaps and where they can kind of fill in and help and not help because like, Oh, I need you to help and right. whatever. But like, this is how I can show you that I'm thinking about you and I, I want to support you. And, and you care as it like, it shows that they care shows that they care. And, and at the same time, the kind of partner I always like aspire to be anyway, like I'm obviously not, perfect we've already covered that part but with him he um he had a background in um being a professional dj and wanted to get back into that and so i was able to support him by saying hey how can i help you like i'll come take pictures video whatever of your events and help you like build up your um social media like Everything I could do to help him succeed professionally, that's what I was trying to give back, you know, because right. because you you should be a partnership and you should be trying to make the other person better, more successful, more happy, stable, whatever they need. Yes. Um, I don't know. So. Well, man, I'll tell you what, Lisa, I, I know we could talk forever and I wanted to 
ask you one more question uh, before we like set up a, we need to do a series of eight podcasts starring Lisa. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more to talk about, but I am curious about, you know, so we've, man, we've really covered a lot of things mm-hmm. though. The one thing that we haven't really kind of nailed in on what was, so, you know, you were a sold out Christian, right? You were yeah. a Bible thumping, you know, Bible believing all that stuff. What began your journey away? I mean, just to, to, to be an atheist, I, you know, so for me, my journey, I, I looked over the fence at atheism at atheism, yeah. which to be honest with you, there's a lot of it that really makes sense, you know, cause I, I really, I've watched so many debates and I resonate more with the atheist side for sure. Mm-hmm. Only because I'm, I'm an agnostic now. And I, I say, well, right. I choose to believe in God. But I realize it's a choice. I'm not making that choice because of any evidence. I mean, clearly. Okay. And the reality is that the truth of it is even Christians, even religious people, really everybody's an agnostic, really, because yeah. nobody actually knows what they say is, you know, they they know in their heart, they believe in their heart. Like, that's fine. I get it. It's semantics. I understand, you know, you know that God exists to you because you believe that, but it's not because of any, or you say, I feel it, or I, you know, God has showed himself to me. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Whatever you want to say to convince yourself, but let's just start with being honest. And the honest truth is nobody knows if there's a God or if there isn't. Now, if you choose to believe in one, that's fine. I don't fault you. I have chosen to believe in God or in a super supreme or a universe or yeah. something. That's my choice. I, I think God, I think Jesus existed. I think he was a preacher. I think, you know, all that stuff, but I have a lot of different perspectives on, on the man written book and the man created religion yeah. called Christianity. Uh-huh. So, you know, I have a lot of opinions now, but for me, what led me away? Cause I'm curious what led you away for me. It was just the things that I always struggled making sense of like a younger, you know, the earth is 6,000 years old. How do you explain dinosaurs? How do you Mm -hmm. explain Neanderthals? How do you explain Homo erectus? How do you explain Noah's Ark, right? Two of every creature on the, fuck you. That's impossible. There's no way that's fucking true. Like like, all that stuff. I just remember, (laughs) I just remember getting to a place where I was like, okay, I've got to be honest with myself. And I can't just say I believe something sheerly on faith when everything about the evidence part was conflicting. Like all the facts of the universe began to conflict with my religious perspective. So mm-hmm. it began to be dismantled. It was like, okay, well, clearly the earth is ancient. Uh, obviously, you know, carbon dating is a real thing. So right. uh, like, okay, fine that story is mythical or it tells kind of a flood story that actually was real, but not to the extent of like Noah built an ark. Like, okay, that's not true. And it just started unfolding. Right. And little by little, by little, by little, it just began to unravel until finally I just, I, I don't know if I just woke up one day and I just realized, Oh my God, it's a fucking myth. It's based upon maybe some, some truth. Like there's some pieces of it that are like Santa Claus, right? It's like, 
clearly right. no one believes in Santa Claus like the story, but we realized there was a Saint Nick and he did give gifts to, un, you know, exactly. I yeah. think Christianity again, people don't hate me for this, but that's how I see it. Now I see that it it's based in some truth and there's some good shit in there, but man, has it gotten way out of hand? And if Jesus uh, yeah. is up in heaven looking down, I think he's even going, guys, what the fuck? You guys have fucked up this story and you've taken it way out of context. Well, and like I a couple of years ago, I would have like never admitted this. But um, as sort of a necessity where I live, some of the best um, preschools and daycares have been Christian. And so I ended up sending my kids to one. I was like, dang it, <laughs> am, I, am I really doing this? And, um, and there's only been like one or two times where I was like, what the fuck are they teaching these kids? And, um, and then they're in another one and stuff. So like, there's some issues there, but it's also kind of interesting hearing them like talk about it. And I don't know how I feel about that. So I'll just yeah. leave that there. But you kind of, I think you nailed it earlier when you were talking maybe like before um, this, maybe in like the pre-interview sort of like these people and, and some of this belief system exists in a bubble. And yeah. when you pop that bubble or when you leave that bubble or you're removed from the bubble or whatever that looks like, um, then what do you have left? You're left with yourself and, and the doubts that you always had that existed. Like you right. said, they're all, all these questions existed. I mean, no one can sit there all their lives and actually like, I mean, unless you just sort of numb yourself and your intuition and you just like shut that off completely. But, um, this is sort of why I had like equated master's commission to a cult because you're so isolated from your friends and family. And those are the only people who can kind of give you and offer you a perspective of like who you were and what you believed in before right. all this. And so when you start like just living life as this like free person, um, saying yes to new opportunities, new adventures, new people, personalities, perspectives, and that's across the board, then you're left with this really beautiful, fascinating life that can't be limited by this like singular belief or, this structure that's so rigid and limits you and, and puts all these rules and boundaries on you. Um, it's like, even if you've like never, you know, smoked weed or, or done any sort of like hallucinogenic, it's sort of like when you leave that sort of restrictive environment, you can finally breathe or you feel like you're like in this different world almost like it's so good. It feels so good yeah. to be free from it. And I mean, I can only say I was raised where we just like kind of casually went to church and, and I think my parents just tried to like, Hey, let's go here because like, it can't be that bad for you. Like, it seems like they kind of do good stuff and there's family events, um, probably similar to what I'm doing to my kids now. They'll have to go through their own decom <laughs> deconstruction <laughs> later. <laughs> I know they will, but, but, um, but their dad is an atheist. And so I think they'll be fine <laughs> yes. and I'm, I'm whatever. So I'll talk to them and like, I like, we're very real with each other. It's not 
going to be the same experience, which is why I'm sure. not worried. Yeah. Um, but I can't say there was like one thing, but I, I do know that all of these questions and doubts, exactly everything, like you nailed it. Literally, you just went list by like down the list. And I think a lot of us have those questions. And then the more we learn about the world or about science or history or, or math, I mean, things are a lot bigger than, than what we know. That's why we keep learning. And that's what, why right. we keep growing and traveling and, um, you know, digging deep into history. Like I research like obscure topics now. Um, like I dig into the deepest, um, you know, places of botany right now for books. Like that's kind of like, you know, yeah. like you can't get deep into that shit without sort of knowing that you're limited by a very strict sort of regimented belief. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we go back to like, you know, is a hundred percent anarchy good all the time? Mm, probably not. So right like is structure and community some of those key things like if only we could have like a little bit of that and then not all this other or we you know could have like a good giving I mean let me put it this way like here in my community I worked for the government doing like homeless um working in the homeless sort of community like helping them out and then the churches here, I was really hesitant to like mentally support the great work the churches were doing. And then I was like, fuck, like, I have to admit that they're doing way better than the fucking government. Right. So now what? Right. <laughs> like now, now what is going to, you know, and like, oh, I'm like friends with this pastor who, but again, it goes back to like that whole thing we just said, like, just because we had a, a really negative experience with some pastors doesn't mean that they're all like that right. or all the people who believe. And I think that's the key. Like what I, I had an early therapist early on in this whole deconversion thing, say something that really, really like stuck with me that almost like my experience was going to be like this pendulum. And I had gone to the extreme, like rigid, strict sort of side and now I was going to swing all the way over to this probably like atheist. A strict rigid atheist side. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of swing back and forth, back and forth and settle somewhere in the middle in like a more normal kind of place. And I, I looked at my life over the years, these last like maybe 10 years or whatever in that, like from that perspective and, and framing it that way and looking at, these like weird experimental things I've done or, or things I've like spouted off saying and shit I've said to my family. And then look at me now, like sort of kind of landed normal. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's not a bad thing either. Um, you know, cause I don't, I don't necessarily want to be, this like super bible thumper atheist either i think right. i've met some of those who are just as bad like they want a following or they want whatever clout and um i just want to do my own thing yeah. and be my own person and 
um, that's probably why we, you know, connected well, because I, I think that it's just a personal thing, like no, no person's path is going to look the same, but we have consistencies, right? Like this lonely feeling when your quote unquote spiritual family or whatever um, they call themselves, they don't talk to you. Yep. <laughs> And then you're rediscovering what sex looks like or what physical pleasure looks like outside of the scope of this like purity or these very strict ideas and beliefs about our body that, you know, like it, it's okay to throw some of that off and, and learn through whatever means we end up, you know, discovering who we are as, as physical people. And it's okay to even like that. Like, yeah. And, and really like no path is going to look the same way. And I think that's like kind of what makes conversation so interesting, right? Is like you get to sit down and, and listen to someone's path and, um, and find, okay, this is pretty similar. And then this is really different. And like you learn from people that way and you grow. So, well, that's the thing that the other thing about Christianity that, that eventually never made sense to me because it doesn't resonate with the way anything in the world is, which is there's only yeah. one way, like yeah. what? There's not one way to have sex. There's not one way to yeah. get rich. There's not one way to date. There's not one way to yeah. like, there's not one way to do anything. No. So to say that this is the way every other way isn't just wrong. It's hell bound. So yeah. it's like, this is the only way The especially now, again, I'm talking about that evangelical the very you know like that evangelical like the bible's literally true and all that bullshit it's like you yeah. know what that is that doesn't make sense at all you mean to tell me that every person around the fucking globe on every continent on every in every country all of them every culture they're all supposed to be bible believing christians Mm. fuck mm -hmm. you that's the mm -hmm. stupidest fucking thing i've heard ever that is just ridiculous mm -hmm. there's not one way to do anything it's hence yeah. I mean, we've, you can sing country you can sing pop you can sing rock you can sing opera you can fucking sing folk it's yeah. not just no there's only one type of music that everybody should fucking listen to that is just absolutely ridiculous and you know mm -hmm. I, that was the first for me that as i started to go away from that world it just became clear to me that that if Jesus, which I mean, again, I do believe that Jesus, the person actually probably did exist. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that people 60 years after <laughs> Jesus's uh, supposed crucifixion, which again, maybe that actually did happen, whatever, but 60 yeah. years after that, I can't fucking remember what I did last week, but 60 years after Jesus was crucified, then people start fucking writing shit about him and saying, well, Jesus said this. <laughs> okay. Like how, how the fuck can you know <laughs> that's exactly what he said? So let's just suppose that that actually was some things that Jesus said. There's no way that that's what, that it that Jesus meant, you know, come and follow me. I'm the way. Okay, let's just let's just for the argument's sake say that that's actually what he said. And some person 60 years later remembered that's what he said and wrote that shit down. I just know, like I know my name, that he didn't mean like literally I'm the way, the only way. I think what he meant was, hey guys, 
I'm talking about charity and loving people and taking care of the poor and being a generous person. That's the way I'm exampling. I'm giving you an example of how to be a good human, not everybody be exactly like me and confess my name as your Lord and savior. Invite me into your heart. Like, Oh, what's wrong with just like accepting something as like, okay, this is something like, you know, North American or, or American people have believed historically and it's like been part of our culture and, and something we've passed down. Like what's wrong with just sort of taking it as it is like, like a green bean casserole. Like it's just part of what we do, you know, and and not taking it so fucking serious that, that we like exclude people or are discriminatory or, or limit ourselves even but just like, yeah, you know, this is what we grew up sort of doing and it's part of our tradition. Like, I mean, I think traditions are nice and important or they can be. Sure. And I mean, I enjoy a Christmas holiday. Me I too. enjoy uh, fucking giving my kids Easter baskets. We have Easter bunnies yeah. um, everywhere. And and those are things that that I like that have sort of, I think, stemmed out of that um kind of community or or over the beliefs but um that doesn't mean i have to to take everything like you said so literal and um and i think that's where it it twists in a way where it becomes like this sort of like well-meaning good intentioned thing which a lot of people just sort of accept it as that and then it becomes this oppressive or really like rigid um sometimes dangerous thing. And I'm thinking of like extreme, extreme. Well, yeah, you go back to, I mean, go back to our very first conversation early. Like when we first started the podcast six, seven hours uh-huh. ago, um, yeah. <laughs> it, like that, it, it leads to corruption like that. It leads to lies yeah. and deceitfulness and all the, and hiding. I, I, I think I mentioned this either before or sometime after, maybe it was before, but the freedom that I've felt walking yep. away from that world, because I can be 100% authentic. I can, I don't have to act like I'm not having sex. I'm going to wait till I'm married. Yeah. And I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. I'm, you I can pray. do whatever you want. I pray yeah. every day. All the, no guys, I'm a fucking human. I live life. Yeah. I try to be good, be honest, live above, you know, like I, all and that not shit. Every day is perfect. It like even goes back to that, like toxic, toxic um positivity that people talk about like right you also can't be like so po- positive and up your own asshole all the time that you're like everything's great no like <laughs> i just got candid about some like drama that's going on in my life that i would like to exit but you know like not just it is life like life has its struggles or it has its good days bad days and and we are human which is kind of i think it's what makes us interesting like, but, you know, I've met people who aren't always very accepting of other people or other ideas, and it can be an unpleasant experience um, when you meet people like that who aren't, they kind of don't match that sort of vibe where they're, they're open. I'm great to be around, and I'm also flawed, so there's a lot of things I do that piss people off that I will apologize for if I 
um, get called out or, or someone tells me about it that cause blind spots, you don't sure. see what you do, but like, isn't that kind of, um, maybe it's a mature place. Maybe I've grown to, to appreciate people. Um, you know, I took a class on like the Holocaust and I think we studied, you know, good and evil and, and also some interesting discussions about are people truly like all evil or all good right. and, and no, I would say not, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not. And so I think that's, what's kind of, um, interesting too, is just like, no one is, no one's all good or all bad or whatever. And, um, I mean, we might get caught up in shit or we might have bad, there's way too much to dig into there but yeah um but no i don't know i think it's just it's kind of a nice maybe it's naive um but it's at least for connecting with people and like getting out there and and having meaningful conversations and um and and making new friends or whatever i think it's nice to to look at people as mostly good first and then you know obviously if they fuck you over then whatever uh, but well let me let me ask you let me, let's end on a on a even higher note and i'll ask okay. you so as an author um what books or what book have you read recently that you highly recommend uh and is there a book that you've ever read that you highly recommend oh man this if is, that's too big of a question, what's the last book you read? <laughs> You're like, Timmy, it was an erotica I, book. I'll tell you all about it. The last book I read was Brown Bear, Brown Bear. What do you see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Was this a children's book you read to the kids? I did. And hey. I mean, what's funny is probably why I write kids' books is the last, you know, however many years, all I do is read kids books over and over and over and I love it because my two-year-old's developing his speech and so it's something he's able to memorize and he he says read to me you know and brown bear and he goes to sleep with it and I as an author I am so proud that my kids sleep with their books um so actually probably the the latest like a, adult um not adult or adult but um, grown-up book I've read is um, it's a business strategy book called Your Your Next Five Moves, um, and so like I told you before, I'm I just started my first LLC, and I say first because I'm hoping it won't be my last. Yeah. And um and and so like my dad has been a longtime entrepreneur, and I've always sort of struggled with um kind of holding myself back from the, the fear, I guess, of like, why am I not an entrepreneur? And I just like would hold myself back. So this book, um, Your Next Five Moves, Master the Art of Business Strategy by Patrick Bet David is really good. Um, and, and I just, I like that it's just kind of about that whole moving forward sort of philosophy. Um, and this is like a newer book, but I read a lot of like older stuff too, like obscure, um, philosophical passages. 
Um, I'm kind of weird. Like I think I have undiagnosed ADHD and I, I, I'm really focused on details. Like, like I have this like severe case of give me a passage. Don't give me a book. Right. Um, and so maybe that like comes from religion. I don't know where we study the Bible passages. I don't know. But, um, but I love studying, like I'm a nature writer. So I love studying books about like landscape or place or, you know, the environment and I'll, I'll dig into that. Or, um, I'm really into like Alan Watts lately and, um, yeah. Have you let red little soul in the sun? No, but I will. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The Little Soul in the Sun, a children's parable. You absolutely, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't heard of it. You'll love it. You will absolutely love it. It'll be a book you would read over and over and over to your kids. That's awesome. Well, I'm writing it down. Um, So I don't know. Um, Oh, I, uh, you, this is, I just can't, I can't answer a question like this without being a fucking weirdo because the last book I literally took somewhere was a book. It's a uh, 1970s replica of images and the story behind the history of transportation. So the first train in London. Wow. Um, so I'm reading, and this is my research, right? So it's a re- for me, it's a fun book. Right. Fun. I'm so fun. I'm reading a book about <laughs> the the very first automobile and chariot and where the word comes from. Um, but someone's got to do this shit. Right. Um. So yeah, I like walk into this uh, brewery with like a two and a half foot tall book with images of trains. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey guys, I'm a weirdo. Everybody. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. And literally, my friend Ryan was like. You don't fucking treat a bar like it's a library. And I was like, well, this one has a cool vibe, okay? And it is my library. Yeah. And and they've actually, like, some of the women there have been like, can you please start, like, a smutty book club for us? And um, and so, like, it's just, you never know, like, the people you're going to connect with and meet. And yeah. they, they may think these little weird things are interesting. So, um. So I read a I read a lot of things for research gotcha. and like whatever rabbit hole I'm going down. I don't necessarily I probably haven't read like a self help book since those days. Got you. I just they're too filled with fucking fluff and I, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Even yeah. like even business strategy books, I'm like, well, one chapter was helpful. The rest of it just went with your title or, or whatever. Right, you know? right. So it's hard to kind of get locked in. But um, but those, um, but I get hooked on details. Like I want to know where the first um, train in London came from because um, I'm trying to work on a book uh, kind of about Peter Pan Oh, fun. And, um, and I started writing, it's a, like a feminist take on it. Um, and then, so I have this character and it, in the setting, like she was gonna take a train and I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, is that even historically accurate? So yeah. I've been on this like rabbit hole of learning about transportation, um, since then, because I think really, good books should 
be factual and, you know, at least be somewhat accurate. I mean, yeah. it's for fun. It's more enjoyable like, when they're, when like, even like I'll read all kinds of books. I, I love James Patterson, you know, good yeah. murder mystery, but there, yeah. it's also very enjoyable when you read a book and like, oh gosh, I've read just so, the library in Paris or, or any, you mm-hmm. name a book where mm-hmm. it's like, it's set in a time and it's, it's an accurate description of that time though. Maybe the characters are fictional, but you know, this library a- actually existed and it actually yep. was in this town that actually existed. And some of the yeah. features in that town that those are accurate. I, I love that. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, and you're then, learning a little bit of history or a little bit of, you're learning well, some you facts do. along with this fiction, fictitious fictitious story. It can really like even I mean it's almost a sense of travel is how I've always like kind of thought of reading in a way and and being an author I've met a ton of different types of authors and there's some authors who take their historical research very seriously like they are part of um, historical research societies there are pillars in their community um, they look at firsthand documents they travel. Like I have hopefully crossed my fingers one day, a trip to London plan where I'm looking at um, these sort of like 18th century um, letters. And, and these are the kinds of things that people put into um, writing books. So, um, so when you asked me that question, I felt a little bit like, dang it. I wish I had a super cool answer, but (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's okay. So I got one final question for you and this is just kind of off the wall. And it's usually a question I, I hopefully get to ask with every person I interview. So with all the, the recent, you know, UFO shit, all that stuff going on in the world, what a, do you think that intelligent life exists out there in the universe somewhere um mm. what, do, what do you think you think we're it you think this is it just us we're, well, we're all there is first of all i'm probably like out of it as far as ufo my mind went to like chinese balloons or something <laughs> oh yeah no not that really more that. more the idea of of like the uh james webb telescope which which if you're not familiar with that you should google that but yeah uh the yeah. new you know telescope that's you know surveying yeah. the universe or pieces of the universe like do you think we're going to find life out there and if so what I mean, do you think is... that'll do to the christian story <laughs> exactly so i mean i think life does exist out there i think it'd be sort of like naive for us to think that we're the only creatures and like we know factually like from a scientific point of view there are like life sources or um like i actually wrote a kid's book um about the solar system and you know i think it was in my research on mars where um, i was learning about like the geography and the you know potential the water on mars at one point yeah yeah. And just like a lot of really cool stuff that if we dig into, it would be naive to think that there's, you know, not something out there. Now, does it look like us? And No, probably not, I would guess. But I mean, they're cool stories. If you think about sure. Star Trek or Star Wars, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, it's based on we can, I mean, we are very limited in that. I think 
in what we can imagine it looking like or, or being, um, I do love the jokes or the memes that are like the aliens are sitting there saying we want no part in earth right. <laughs> waiting for us. to. They're building nuclear <laughs> bombs to blow each other up. This place yes, is fucked up. Like, Let's not even get involved. Like we're we're going to leave them alone and let them destroy each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, hell, I, I fucking have no idea, but a few years ago I was like, I'll go to Mars. <laughs> yeah. So that's a super interesting question because I don't know. I don't think anyone Well, I'm always like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I sort of love thinking like, Oh, I bet the government knows. Sure. (laughs) You know, know, that's a man you brought up. That's an interesting thought too, because I, I, I am like everybody, a a good conspiracy can definitely tickle the ear a little bit. Oh yeah. Though. Yeah. Though on the flip side, you know, I'm, uh, you know, when people think like, the earth is flat or that the underneath the white house, there are thousands of children whose blood is being harvested for the adrenochrome. Like that's just like, okay, now you've completely gone into moronic land, you know, that's ridiculous. But, but, you know, I mean, obviously there are things that were conspiracy that now are conspiracy fact, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. snowed in and like certain things that we all know, but um, yep. yeah, some of the stuff's just so, so crazy. It's like, dear Lord, but like you, I've wondered, yeah. Are there those that maybe know that, oh yeah, no, like Roswell, that's real. Like, or is it not real? Like, who knows? I don't know. I'm right. like you, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I do think it would be awfully naive to think that we're the only ones in a universe that we know little to nothing about. Exactly. Even as much as we think we are knowing, it's like the universe is so big that all that we know about the universe is like less than 1% of what's out there. So, uh, And I think that's kind of the key. Like I think basic science tells us that there's a lot more out there, but we may not, um, it may not look exactly like what we're thinking it looks like, you know, like the little green goblins, but- Um, but fun fact, I guess, since we've already talked about my marriage, um, my still husband, as I think to call him, soon to be ex, soon to be ex. Yeah. Hopefully we hope he was really into aliens, like in a, in, in a, like, you know, good way, fun way, sort of like just fun. And and I have an uncle who's into them too, like as a joke. And so we went to like this alien, um, tourist stop in Nevada and like oh my god the culture of it is just hilarious and it's fun and um and he was a real big fan of conspiracies even though he didn't like believe in them but he loved sort of digging into like the world of what people were making up and um and so I would kind of sometimes get into him a little bit like whoa that's fucking weird and like but it's also entertaining yeah (laughs) Have you ever, have you heard, Yeah. so there's a YouTube channel called the Y files, the Y files, you just based on what you said, you would love it because I think, uh, the reason I like it is he sounds conspiratorial. Like you're hearing a story about whatever he's telling. That's like, Mm -hmm, but -hmm. then at the end, he actually will flat out if it can be 
he'll he'll debunk it. He'll be like, okay, oh, that's fun. That's a great story. You all were like loving it, but here's what I found yeah. out. You know, See, that's, that's not kind of my style is yeah. like research facts. He's a he's a he's a journalist, yeah. a real journalist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing, too. And like sometimes my um, then husband would do is like kind of look into like the the groups of people who would invest into this idea or this conspiracy and and kind of we'd have conversations about that. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Um just to know certain people gravitate towards that, which I don't know about you, but people had, when I would start calling master's commission, a cult, people would start like assigning labels to me and calling me an idiot. Like, well, how did you get involved in something like that? I right. would never be that stupid is what they would say. Right. And, and then, you know, I mean, I think that's just a very idiotic thing to say, Sure. but, um, but, it is interesting to going back to like that sense of community or even just groups of people. And sometimes group think it is, it's group think and, yeah. um, and how it and sometimes becomes bigger than you imagine it would be and weirder. Yeah. Like you threw out some weird shit just now. And I'm like, uh, uh-huh, I've heard of that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I could, I could go. I, I know, nearly all of the conspiracy theories, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are just so outlandish that I, 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 my mind, I can't even believe that people would still believe the earth is flat when we have fucking pictures and yeah. video. It's like, like clearly that's like not even, well, maybe it's like, no, no, no. That's one of those conspiracy theories that not even maybe no for fucking sure. It's a sphere now. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, did we land on the moon? Well, I am 99.9% sure that we landed on the moon, but you know, I don't know. Can they fake something like that? I don't know, but I believe well, that it's you, real and it'd be too. It's real. But what's weird is how some of the stuff like our history is almost like getting reversed or erased by some of these conspiracy theories. And then it's like, well, it's possible now with like the internet, yeah. you can fix anything. You can manipulate anything and even ai and like the future of ai yeah oh my god the world's gonna get weirder probably you know gosh so weird do you ever just feel like you're in this weird place (laughs) i do i'm on an episode of twilight zone or black mirror i mean there's there's no there's no doubt like i've thought about this too because i love uh (sighs) i forget what it's called but when you just erase your mind and just think right so yeah yeah. Think think experiment, I think. I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. I've often mm-hmm. wondered in a thousand years, what will remain? What will be the religion or belief system of the day? Will Christianity mm-hmm. or any of the fucking religions of today, will they even exist in uh, a thousand years? Like what will things look like? Of course, it's all gr- It's just experimenting with your thoughts because we don't fucking know. But yeah, what we do know, we can go a thousand years in the past. And yeah. like, so what from whatever, a thousand years, I can't even, my brain's not working right now to think about right. what's a thousand years ago, but 1800s, let's just say what existed then that still exists now, or how alien do we appear now? Like if I was to go back to 1800s mm-hmm. in my little Lexus car or yeah. arrive in my little plane, like what the fuck? 
Like this guy's from outer space, you know? Well, I know. And actually that's really, I like, we should definitely smoke together sometime. Cause I think this would be a fun conversation. Now. Yes. Oh, I'm down. You know, it's legal in Missouri now used to the old Midwest. We were holding out, but we, well, it's, it's legal here too, but like going through the crazy divorce, I don't do anything at any time. Right. Cause you could get like, drug tested. Yeah. Yes. It's weird. It's a weird, like, you know, but of course, whatever. Um, did you say you have a plane? Like, are you a pilot? No, 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 no. I'm, I was, oh, okay. I do have an actual Alexis car, but I don't okay, have a, a, I, a plane. Well, so my dad has a little plane. He got a pilot's license. Um, and so I'm always kind of like, Oh, it'd be kind of fun to learn how to fly. But then I, over the years I've gotten more comfortable with the idea, but initially I was terrified. Yeah. And so now I'm like, oh, it'd be so fun to just hop in my plane and like do this podcast in person. Like, ooh, that'd that be would cool. be so <laughs> dope. <laughs> right. It would yeah. be much better. So in California, so you're, are you Northern California? I'm not familiar with the area. I'm central. So I'm in Kern County, which is central. And a, we used to sort of label this as almost like the Texas of California. Oh, really? And so it's not LA like. No, I'm, so I'm an hour and a half North of LA. And so still kind of like very connected as far as, um, well, like a lot of things are filmed here and, um, and I went to school there. And so like a lot of us kind of go back and forth and what's weird in a, well, interesting, I guess, is like, because where I live, I live in Bakersfield, it, the cost of living has been so much lower than, um, you know, San Francisco, the Bay area and LA that a ton of people are moving here from those regions, um, which is changing the community. It's becoming much more diverse. There's no more like, I mean, there's pockets of like the little Texas type thing, but it's rapidly changed. And it's a lot of fun. There's like, um, an up and coming downtown and, and then still sort of like, outdoor spaces to explore uh, how far from close. the ocean are you like 45 minutes i'm uh no i'm actually like two hours oh. but um but you know my i just talked about my ex-boyfriend that's where he's from so when i'd go visit his dad would be like this is your beach house and <laughs> you know like it's very it's close to the mountains it's close to the well it's kind of the desert um which is an interesting ecosystem to me yeah. but but we're close to everything and um, it's, it's this rich like agricultural community. And um, so, yeah, it's in, I mean, I kind of one of those places I wanted to like get away from. And then when you have kids, you're, you're where you are. So. Yeah. yeah I'm looking luck. at it on the map Bakersfield. I see. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It looks like it's a neat, neat. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely um, changed. And, um, and, you know, I was talking to someone, I think actually like from Missouri, um, a couple months ago and she's like, so many of her clients were buying homes here, um, cause the prices were right. And there's a ton of growth all over the city. And then as a grant writer, I've been kind of adjacent to like local politics and, um, obviously writing grants. So I've learned a lot about like the um, economic development projects here. And okay. um, yeah, it's a, I think it's kind of a good place to live and, and raise a family. It always has been. And then it's 
they're they're really putting a lot of effort into building up the community resources and um, the economy and jobs. So give it like another 10 years and it may be like the next LA or the next Fresno. I don't know. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. Well, gosh. Yeah. Okay. We have to do another podcast. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. <laughs> Well, In yeah, absolutely. That'd be dope. And I love California. I, I haven't been there in a little bit. Matter of fact, I think I wasn't, I was there maybe 2018. Um, uh, so it's been a well, bit. You and your fiance can come visit. I, we would absolutely love it. She can do some shows. You could do some podcasts. Uh, <laughs> well, this sounds amazing. I'm so yes. really, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. And and when I dismiss, hold on and I'll be right with you, but we just won't be recording. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for coming on. If, well, we don't, you probably don't want to get your information out there and how people can get a hold of you. So we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Here's my phone number. No. Well, I mean, I'm pretty easy to find on mostly Instagram lately, like Lisa Kerr books, and it's the same across all channels. And I just stick to that. Like, good. you know, I'm an author. And then if people want to talk about all this other stuff, I mean, we may or may not talk, but, um, yeah. Yeah, unless you're cool like you. Then. Yeah, I, I love it. Well, hey. I sense the good vibe. Yeah, well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a good one. Peace out. <laughs>